Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to this week's edition of the Brothers Grim Dark, where we have actually thought of something to talk about. I'm Alan, and my co-host Henry. Please, I go by Quasimodo. My co-host Quasimodo. Affectionate nickname. Oh, school days. Yeah, given to him by those who actually bother talking to him. Yeah, because I kept running away and hiding in bell towers. <laughs> Sanctuary! <laughs> right. So first of all, we have some small topics we want to quickly cover before getting into the meat of the episode. Yeah. So as as the year is coming to a close, we feel like the window of opportunity to talk about some of this stuff is closing with it. Yeah. Because in the future, there's going to be chapter approved any minute now. Has it already come out? I don't think it's coming out, has it? Yeah. No, it hasn't. Which contains a Sisters of Battle proto-codex. A prodex. A prodex. Get your prodex. A codex. Either way, that's going to be fucking exciting. Yeah, I'm, I'm hyped for that. Uh, it's very exciting. It is interesting because it does mean that Sisters of Battle codex is definitely not coming out for a little period afterwards. Um... At least six months if we're going on the sixth to seventh edition <laughs> rule book. Yeah. GW on that one. Fuck you. Um, but anyway, I'm, I'm expecting like December time just because I've, <coughs> or at least December time for the models. They'll release the codex early in the year and then just be like, you know what? The models will come out late December. You mean this year? No, I mean next year. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely next year. They said uh, it's going to be late next year. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I've heard rumours that it's third quarter, which is like September. Yeah, but some people but are rumouring that there's still going to be a big chaos release at Christmas, and I hate to disappoint yeah, them, I think... but no. Oh Yeah, pe- people are just way too enthusiastic. Like, people are way too optimistic with this stuff. Like, October, what's that about? Anyway. <laughs> fuck's sake. Anyway, that's that's done now. That's done. Yeah. Um, yeah, so this, just a little bit of housekeeping from us. Uh, just to tidy up the stuff that we left uh, dangling. Like, just tiny, tiny little bits. And the first one I want to talk about is Admech. Admech? 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 Close to your heart. They are close to my heart, because it's quite funny. I've collected a lot of Imperial armies over the years. I've done Deathwing. I've done Space Marines. I've done Kastion Guard. Never Cadians. Don't touch those Cadians. Um, you know, all, all sorts of tread-heavy armies, all these different combinations. Yeah. But there's one army which really resonates within me, and that is the Admech. That sort of incautious approach to technology of just like, hey, look, we found a cube on this planet that we just fought an apocalyptic war for. Let's see what it does. <laughs> like, they oh. have no clue. And I love the Admech for that aspect. Um, so they're very close to my heart. I really do appreciate them. As an army, I do love their law. Yep. But the but. rules. But the rules. They're complicated. In that they are... They are a very tragic symptom of a combination of early 8th edition. Yep. As well as perhaps a not very dedicated writer. If even yeah. an unambitious writer. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's just the trepidation of eighth edition starting. They didn't want to make things too strong. They didn't want to, you know, kind of really, un- like compare the orc codex. And I know it's just come out. Orc codex, knight codex, admet codex. 
there's just there's zero flavor in the Admech Codex. It's such an unflavorsome army to play. Like whenever I play the Admech, which is rare, I will admit it is rare. But it, it just it really lacks the character of the Admech. It really lacks that kind of strange technological archaeotech, you know, bizarre <laughs> working. That oh are also horrific. It really misses out on that. They could have brought that in with um, some of the relics or the warlord traits, but they just didn't. Mm. Like right it's really now, like the... strange generic stuff, like a slightly better gun. It's like, no, these are the Admech. They should have the weirdest relics. Yeah. You know, Admech and Necrons should have the most bizarre relics. Yeah. Um, they also have like the issue whereby, where do they, what role do they actually perform in the game right now? Because if you want power armor, because I guess you, well... You're a fan of it. Well, then you go elsewhere. If you want cheap bodies, you go to the guard. Like the Admech fulfill no role. Well, what's even more interesting is as soon as you release Sisters of Battle, I think Sisters of Battle entirely replace Admech. Oh, they will destroy any, them. Any purpose. Any purpose. Yeah, because Admech's main benefit is well, not the main, but they're cheap, but they also have um a three plus to hit with their guns. Which the sisters will have along with power armor. So you know what I really want to see for Admech? I want Admech to be rewarded for taking cohorts of Skitari or Skitarii, however mm. you want to say it. Um, simply because Admech should be a horde army. They should be. And I'd love to see Admech in more of a guard position where they yeah. just can flood the table in true numbers. Yeah. Um, and just shit tons of firepower. Like, I do love the firepower of the Admech. Don't get me wrong, I'm not complaining about the firepower. Firepower is lovely. Um, but like the Breacher robots. Which ones are the they? The big tracked... Oh, um, them ones. Destroyers yes. and Breachers. Uh, they're Servitors, sorry. Um, they're just so lackluster to play. They're really lackluster to play. And they should be like crashing demi-tanks, you know? Like they, they don't have to be super good, but they should have kind of like a flavorsome I th- feel to I, them. I think they should also have slightly scarier models. Like the, the basic I, I quite like the models. Hmm? I, I quite like the models because the models are meant to be like they take the brain of a criminal and oh, yeah, put it yeah, into yeah. a like, servitor and they lobotomize it, and that's the, cool. I the really love models that. are basically perfect. But then you have well, compare the uh, Castellan robot. That's the 1950s looking one, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Compare that to Call. Now Call's model, I think, is really good. Because it's scary, it's this weird unknown quantity, it's this mess that has just grown out of control, which is far mm. more admech in my mind than, hey look, a 1950s robot. Well, okay, I, I will tackle that immediately. <laughs> cool is awesome, because yeah, but the robes is an, un, as you said, unquantified horror. Yeah. You know, and it kind of, it, it's beautiful, because you can see his face, and there's sort of semi-human features, then it's the robotic rebreather. Rebu- dangling below and then this colossal strange construct construct sorry and um oh it's it it is beautiful it's Mm. really cool uh unfortunately i really hate his law yeah just gonna say it now hate the shit out of it (laughs) um and the 1950s space robots is interesting because i actually like their design oh i like it as well but i think that the admech should have some scary not monsters but technology they can unleash Oh yeah, well, if you look at the Forgeworld stuff, it's a little bit better. It's a little bit more 
insect-like, which I'm not a huge fan of. But yeah, they should definitely go for more bizarre and kind of strange and horrific. Like, Admec really should capture the horror of yeah. humanity. Like, this yeah. is how far we can go if we remove our humanity. Yeah. Kind of like what Space Marines should be. In that Space Marines shouldn't have a lot of humanity, because that's kind of part of becoming a Space Marine, is they lose a little bit of what makes them human. And they used to definitely have that in the lore, mm. whereas now it's like, fuck it, they're just like humans. And... But better. But better. And it really upsets me, actually, because in some of the stories, it'll just say things like, oh, yeah, and they just have entirely free will, and they can say what they like, and they just openly doubt the Emperor and all this sort of stuff. No, there's uh, all this strictures, stricture yeah. structures that stop them doing that. Anyway, we're getting, we're getting derailed. Uh, so, Admech, just before the year is out, as we approach the final... Admech aren't great. They're not in a great position to me. Uh, the Skutari Titan cohorts actually really interest me from Forgeworld, and I'm tempted to convert all of my infantry into them. Because right. they're like these little phalanx models with shields and like spears, oh, and they them. look fucking yeah, cool. Awesome. They look really fucking cool, and their guns are amazing as well. They're like three shots of like strength five or something. I don't know. It's a long time since I read the rules, but they're oh, cool. Forge world. It's expensive as dick, though. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> it's like you're almost doubling the cost of every box you buy just by yeah. getting the Forge world kit, and suddenly it's like fifty quid for some. Oh god. Anyway, some people uh, okay. start saying like for chaos, like oh, just get the. Uh get the forge world uh, heresy models i could but this hobby's expensive enough yeah oh man the fact that they discontinued uh the horus heresy is so bullshit maybe they discontinue like, it yeah they stopped selling a lot of the um the stuff and if you go on the forge world website occasionally every now and again they'll say last chance to buy like they got rid of all the um all the different relic dreadnought chassis and all that oh. sort of stuff and they got rid of devastators and oh but yeah, yeah oh, at least they probably upsetting. got rid of like the. Um, actually, no, they may still have the Sonic Dreadnought, even if there's not rules for it. Yeah, I'm sure you can get through eBay. For those okay. of you who don't know, that is a um, Emperor's Children Dreadnought using Sonic waves. It is not a Sonic uh, Dreadnought in the form of the Sonic the Hedgehog. Truly <laughs> <laughs> okay, the most horrifying thing in 40k. That would be amazing. Just giant blue mohawk on him. <laughs> Gotta go fast. <laughs> oh, that God. could be, actually. That could that be, be cool. as Laneshi Dreadnought. Off its tits on warp dust. Oh yeah. If it, if you had like um a really cool like think Hellion head on it with like yeah. a huge over the top mohawk kind of strange rebreather injecting chemicals into his face, you know. Okay, with people. a redemptor, with a chaos redemptor, this could work. It could, but I think that's a little bit big. The Brothers Grimdark asking the real questions. On to the next yeah. point of housekeeping. Hold on, um, hold on. Oh, I just no, wanted to, no no. I just wanted to address the 1950s space robots. That's because they come from a time before the Admech. Just saying. That's, that's why they're cool. That's why they look awesome. That's and awesome. they're relics. And that's why we can't make them like that anymore. Because they are relics. Anyway, yeah, I completely agree. They need some new models, new rules, new Scary awesome stuff. stuff. Right. Next bit of housekeeping. Line of sight complaints. How line of sight works and why we may or may not like it. This Sounds one shapes my balls <laughs> it fucking chased my balls i hate line of sight i absolutely hated this edition so i came from an era where uh every soldier every general out there every man woman and child that played warhammer so the knew, men and the children the men and the children <laughs> knew firing arcs and they knew fucking cover Yes. It was part of your bread and butter. Your Imperial Primer 
came with this is the fucking vision arc for these weapons. So a turret had like 360 degrees, a sponsor would have 90 degrees, a whole mounted weapon, 90 degrees, yeah, all that sort of stuff. So awesome, so much depth. So that meant like if you flank a Lehman Russ. Got things bedinging, I'm sorry. If you flank a Lehman Russ, it couldn't shoot you with its sponsors because they can't physically turn backwards. And that is amazing to me. And another example is in the Orc Codex. The engine from the back of a death death killer war trike is like a flamethrower. However, it can hit units in front of it. Now, I know you can kind of headcanon and say that the models are just there as representatives. They're not actually models in a sense that, you know, he's facing this way. He could be drifting in front of them, burning them with his engine, but then he assaults them next turn, so he's in reverse now. You know, all that sort of stupid stuff. I loved Firing Eyes. Line of Sight is so bullshit in 8th edition because... You, you the do example realize that I was a use. separate rant you just had. Like, yeah, I mentioned firing arcs. No, sorry, I mentioned line of sight, and you launch into the firing arcs discussion. It's all part of it. It's all part of it, <laughs> because there was beautiful amounts of depth. And the other thing with firing arcs and line of sight is that if a vehicle was half covered, right, mm. it would get a cover save. So if you had a rhino, and over half of it was behind a wall, it would get a cover save. And normally like a full plus. So that's just 50% chance it ignores whatever you're doing to it. We'll which see. made... The Rhino much more resilient. Hold on, just hold all your thoughts yeah, for a second. Yeah, yeah. Just let me fire. <laughs> this edition, this edition, you see any tiny point on that Rhino, you can shoot it and it gets plus one to its armor save. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Mighty GW. Thank you for that plus one wait, to my wait, armor save, wait, which wait, is wait, fucking wait. Right. Vehicles don't get cover saves. Yes, they do. No, they don't. In eighth edition, they do. I... I'm sorry, we'll have to quickly research this. They're models. Of course they do. No, they, they don't. It's cover. only infantry. What? What about the stratagem? Uh, what the? Oh, I think at the start, um, the that does allow you to get cover if you pay to have that. It gets the entire army, except for Titanic units. That's where the new um, uh, entrenched positions thing gets you. But uh, I don't think vehicles do. They do. Trust oh, sorry, me, they they do. at least 50% obscured. Sorry. Wait. Yeah, they do get a cover save. I'm, I'm so sorry. You doubted me so hard that I doubted myself that. <laughs> but, I, yeah, I was like, what? Has everyone been playing 8th edition wrong? You know, of course they did. You bastard. Anyway, so you get a paltry plus one to your armor save, which is amazing. However, let's, let's talk about the scenario that I commonly come across, which is knights versus my vehicles. So mm. can you just mute yourself a second and we can hear you? Sorry, sorry, sorry. Just mute it, mute it. Thank you. Um, oh, God, it's so spacious now. Um, yeah, I, I commonly face knights versus my vehicles, which means I can hide my vehicle in, you know, the most ridiculous ways. But if there's like a small window, if it's like one of the Imperial or Imperialis ruins or one of the old ruins, there's like a tiny, tiny window, you can see an ounce of my tank tread you can shoot me now if you shoot me with a volcano lance that fucking plus one to my armor save means nothing and he's just what? killed my fucking vehicle in old rules if you couldn't see uh if you could only see sorry 25 percent or less of my vehicle you couldn't shoot it yeah whereas now if i if i can see an antenna poking up, I can shoot your full fucking vehicle. And when it's nights, that's really fucking bad for you. What's more, that antenna can fire back. 
that antenna can also fire back, and it can fire guns that are facing in the opposite direction. <laughs> like, man, I really hate that for just breaking the immersion of the game. Like, 8th edition definitely is like an arcade version of 4th, 6th, 7th, all combined together. It's like an arcade version. It's not a real, you know, it, it's not as close a simula simulation as 4th edition was. It's, yeah, it is far less of a simulation nowadays, but... But, oh, our friend is playing 40k Mechanicus, which is out now, for those of you who want to play. I'd like to thank Mechanicus for sponsoring us this episode. Um, <laughs> they haven't. They haven't. <laughs> they haven't. Um, I wish we had sponsorships. But I don't mind this rule. I mean, it is annoying from the, the fact that we're losing some of the depth of the olden days, but it also stops a lot of arguments. It does it, stop a lot it, of it arguments. suddenly... Simple fucking clear. Can you see it? Yes. Yes, you can. However, you are the Imperial Knight player. So fuck you, matey. You're the one <laughs> one-shotting my vehicles, which should be uh, hidden. Uh, Previous where? editions, you wouldn't get this jump on me. I could uh, hide in cover. And this is one of the reasons that knights are so safe, uh, so powerful, is you have a huge amount of vision because of height, because of Width, because of breadth, they're fucking massive. You can shoot anywhere on the battlefield with a knight. No one is safe. When when have you ever seen a volcano lance pop a vehicle in one round of shooting? I that is certainly my daily life. <laughs> it's my I, daily life. I certainly haven't popped a friend's land raider, not euphemism, in the first turn when I rolled a six for the number of shots. God, I hate it. I really hate it, guys. And it's really interesting because... GW actually agreed with my whole point, which is first turn is far too important. So people that get very good shooting, aka a knight, not saying all knights, but say you have one in uh, particular, the Castellan, yeah, which will one shot like Titanic units <laughs> uh, in the right combination, of course, what, in the right what combination. Doesn't it one shot really? Vehicle it's so wise. fucking good, and it's so game winning in that turn one. So they introduced this new cover strategy which everyone has gone wow this is amazing this uh, it's a revelation why didn't why didn't we think of that before we had this before we actually had this before we had a degree of protecting your units from a cover and i'm really i mean alan and i constantly disc um argue over cover because i'm yeah. very much in favor of fourth edition uh to seventh edition cover mm. which was a cover save instead of a arm uh, a modifier to your armor save of plus one which I think yeah. is just absolute shite because it means cover is meaningless. You can also just charge through cover. Cover's not really there. Uh, you can't get Overwatch if you don't have line of sight to someone because they can just charge you through like a container or something. Mm. Um, it, it's, it's just, I don't know, I, I really dislike it. Okay, it makes the game far more streamlined. It stops mm. a lot of arguments, but I do feel like we've lost out as a result of that. That's, that's all i got to say there. I was going to say, the, um, the new stratagem, though, I do think is a fantastic thing. Less so when it comes to the Volcano Lance, because not much stops the Volcano Lance. But when it comes to, say, knight, uh, sorry, Orcs versus Tau, any sort of melee army versus a gun line. I know that a lot of people say, ooh, just have line of sight blocking terrain. First of all, that's not a requirement. That is not something which is in the rulebook that states you must have one large piece of line of sight blocking terrain in the middle of your board. Second of all, not everyone has that. I mean, yes, they can get a cardboard box and put it in the middle of the table, but some people don't want to do that. And even just some people want to go into their friendly local store will complain that they've been trying to do this, uh, but then you have a bunch of people who play gunline armies going, no, that's unfair. 
this helps out all of them. Because there's, there's a lot of, especially when it comes to the competitive discussion of 40k, a lot of people say, oh, well, the ITC rules, they're, they're a lot better. And they just sort of say it's fine because ITC exists. To which I say, no, I'm glad ITC does. I'm glad that we have more of an in-depth rule set for playing the game competitively, but I don't think that then excuses Games Workshop from balancing it themselves. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I think the way that you should play 40k is the exact same way that we do it. And that is playing with people that you know, as well as playing with people that you want to know, if that makes sense. So if you go to your shop or your local gaming club, and we all know the guy that's the fucking power gamer that brings his special dice, um, you know, which no one else is allowed to use because they're his special dice. And he just does all the stuff like, well, I'm going to do this then. I'm going to shoot that guy. Good. And then if he gets like a below average role, he can play. You know, he's that guy. You don't play that guy. Forget that guy. Look for the friendly people because there are friendly people out there. Um, and just get those friendly games because everyone talks about the bouncer codices. Everyone talks about oh, this and that. And we have this problem in my local gaming group. Just get together. Have the balls to say, come on, guys, let's just be sensible. And the chief example will be Necromunda because Necromunda is a game that should be played among gentlemen. Yeah. Because Necromunda has some stuff which is truly broken, some stuff which is so ridiculously good, it makes the game unfun. Such as, for example, and it's going to be a game of like fast paced, well, not maybe not so much fast paced, but deadly close quarters combined with long range combat with very varied and interesting gang members. Some guys will just tell you buy a Laslock rifle on every person and keep them 24 inches away at all times, and you'll just win. It's like, yeah, you will just win, but that's not a fun game. And it's kind of yeah. the same thing with 40K. Because also, I've seen so many people come into, like, the local gaming store or whatever. They bring, like, a really nice mixed army, and then they just get curb-stomped by some dude that's running some tournament list he read off the internet. You know, and I'm not saying that either of those are wrong, but I think you should yeah. just match yourself against people that you want to play. Exactly. Like, there's nothing wrong with bringing a competitive list to your local gaming store, as long as you're like, hey, this is a competitive list, you know, I don't want to play someone else's curb stomp, or if you really want to play it, I will happily play you, but, you know, you know your odds are bad. Like, just try and go like for like with your lists, that's all we're saying. Yeah, Next because I think if, if you look at ITC or Games Workshop, you just, you can't balance the game. You really can't, because some lists are just hard countered by others, you know, yeah. so it's better if you know your enemy, know your opponent, and you can just kind of agree to things. Next next topic, maybe? Yeah, next topic. All right, relevance of power level. This is, this is like a teeny tiny one, which just sort of bothers me. Um, like, what is it there for? Because you have, I, I guess, for like the super friendly games, but there's narrative play for that. And then you have the actual point system the power level is also way off the vast majority of the time. For example, it makes Deathwatch playable. Yeah, it really does. Um, <laughs> I actually like power level. I actually like power level. Yeah. From a very simple position that I've definitely had it in uh, a gaming scenario where I'm, you know, either local gaming store, normally local gaming store, um, and you play one guy and you complete your game and while you're playing this game, two other guys have come in with their armies. And they're like, okay, I've got 3,600 points of this. 
you've got 1,500, he's got 2,000 with him, you know, let's make a game, and everyone just kind of creates a list on the fly, you know. Yeah. Whereas if you do it by power level, it's so much quicker to do it, and it is just a friendly game, and everyone just has a laugh and just does it that way. So that's I'm true. not against power level because everyone has to agree to it. Yeah. No, that's fair yeah. enough. Like, it, it's just I've never really been in the scenario where I think, oh, I'd want to play by power level. But no, fair enough. That was, that was all I was bringing it up for. Next point. It does. Yeah, yeah. Next point, which is related to this. The relevance of Titans at this stage. Like, they're in a really weird spot. Like, for those of you who don't know, Titans are shit right now. Yeah. Like, Warhound, that middle one no one cares about, or Warlord Titan, they're just terrible. They actually got dumpstered in 7th. Well, that's because everything had a D weapon. Of course they got dumpstered. Because everything had a D weapon. It was no longer limited to Titans. So just in a one in six chance, you just take out that Titan. Yeah, wasn't there like... And considering a... you could have ten Eldar Flamers equipped this way, it's oh, like, well, God. rip, he's gone. Yeah. It's terrible. It's terrible what they did. And there were flamethrowers. Flamethrower D weapons. Whoever fucking wrote the 7th edition Eldar Codex needs to be slapped around with a coked-up jar that they used to write the Codex. How Fucking crazy. A codex with a coked up jar. Well, with the aid of a coked up jar. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's this one be. poor writer leading over the book saying, I don't know what to say. Is this one coked up jars yelling at them? Do your weapons! More of them! <laughs> Everyone gets one, and they're flamers. Yes, yes, that's it. Flamethrower, I got weapon. Don't ask me! Ask the cocaine! <laughs> When, when D-Weapons used to be reserved for Titans, because they literally had the power of the sun in their hands. Yeah. And then it's like, no, no, these little Wraith Guard guys, they got flamethrowers of it. <laughs> Fuck the Titan, man. Fuck the Titan. It can go, only get one hit with its massive blast turbo laser. This guy can get one hit with his flamethrower and anyone else behind. <laughs> Good God, oh. it's more powerful than turbo laser. It's just crazy. Crazy. Okay. Um, okay, let's... Yeah, uh... so, t- titans are in a very strange position. I think Titans are terrible... Uh, I don't think it's a huge problem because no nobody plays Titans. I don't think nobody it really is, plays. but I I don't know. Like but, it's, uh, but the, again, this comes back to the whole dynamic that I was talking about last time, which is Dreadnought to Knight, hmm. and then literally Knight to anything. Yeah, any kind of armor is just any made kind of armor. sad when you look at a knight. Like a Titan. Uh, a knight will kill a Warhound Titan, I believe, in five successful wounds. Right. What, with the uh, fist and the thunder strike? I don't think it has 40 wins. I think it has 30, doesn't it? Oh, my. Oh, okay, well, if it, has, if it has 40, you just have this fist, and it's five successful wounds, and you've killed that uh, Warhound Titan. Yeah. Because they don't have and void that's... shields in close combat, do they? They do have void shields, yeah. uh, but not in close combat. Yeah. No, I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, Titans are in terrible position. Uh, I mean, it's definitely... related to power level, because that a, uh, they used to cost less in 8th, and then they... They really priced them out of the game. The Warhound became 2,000 points. The other one is probably about 4,000. And the Warlord is 6,000 points. But the power level stayed the same. So they did go like, ah, oh, for friendly games you can still do this. But they're still dog shite. Yeah. I mean, to be fair, they're shite in 7th. So. Well, yeah, but that's because that, that's 7th are D-weapons. I think the bigger problem in 8th is that there's no way that they can avoid overkill. Like before, you'd have blast templates, so you could affect multiple units with um, the boom. But now the boom will annihilate the guard squad, and only a couple of weapons can affect, like a squad and some around them. I think there's one uh, on the warlord, which will like go 
for to a, a unit within three inches, and then I think it can just keep on bouncing. Other than that, there's like none. Mm, yeah. No, I, I, I think it. I think Titans are in a very sad place because instead of having massive apocalyptic templates which would hit the entire army, yeah, you got to pick one guy to wail yeah. on, and they simply don't have enough guns to be worth it unless you're going against like I don't know three land raiders in a list or something. Like, and then you just take a Dominator or Castellan, wherever it's called, Domitus class. Yeah, like, what would you prefer to have? A Warlord Titan or 6,000 points worth of Knights? Yeah. So I, I think it's it's just, it's really sad where Titans are. And I don't think Titans can actually be fixed this edition because they got rid of templates. And also think, the way that uh, even a Guardsman will wound them on a six. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You need to return Titans to... They can't be affected by small arms, yeah. and they have some sort of way of dealing more damage. Because even if they, if you just made them more resilient, just everything around them would die because they simply don't have enough firepower to just remove all the things. Like take the Warhand for example; it only has two guns. Yeah, yeah, that's two targets it can kill a turn. But if your enemies horde, you know, it's it's not great. It's not great. I did see a fun strategy against the Warlord Titan because people were trying to theorize how to kill it. I can't. It either has toughness 8 or toughness 16, I can't remember. I think it's only toughness 8, but it has 70 I th- wounds. I think it's toughness 14. It's Warlord. got a lot. <laughs> it's got a lot of toughness there. Yeah, I think it's 16, because I think you need to have, then have, like, um, a shit ton of, like, basically a wall... Uh, oh, fuck it. It has a lot. And yeah. people were trying to go, oh, what's the best way to kill it in one game? And one person had a very novel idea of just go, no, 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 you just get 6,000 points of Guardsman. And, you know, it wipes out however many in the first turn. And then you just move and advance and cover the entire board and it can't move and you have total board control and you get all the objectives. As this one Warlord Titan struggles to kill Guardsmen because it can't kill them quick enough. And I just, yeah. and I just love that strategy. Right, yeah, next... Toughness uh, 16. Hmm? Toughness 16. Toughness 16. 200 it's power level. Still worthless. Yeah. Right. Problem. Next point of information or topic we want to cover... What would fix Terminators other than being able to embark other Marines inside them? (laughs) (laughs) I think think what what would fix Terminators is everyone keeps positing all these random ideas like, ah, just, you know, give them an extra wound, give them an extra point of toughness. Let them have a three plus armor save, but they roll 2d6 and if they get a pass uh, to see if they save it, that kind of thing. I would just price them lower. Well, I think... I think they are, they are overpriced, because if you look at Death Shroud... Yeah. Death Shroud almost immediately got a points reduction in Chapter Approved. Hmm. Because they went from, like, 60-something points to 50 points. Um, I think... My which imme- with... immediately made... Yeah. I was going to say, I think my issue with um, Terminators is not so much... Like, they are definitely overcosted, don't get me wrong. It's just that they don't serve a purpose. And you basically have to drop their points enough to the point where they start challenging basic infantry. Yeah. They they don't do anything. There's nothing which they are crafted to do. I guess they are useful in a sense for dropping onto an objective with Deep Strike and then sitting there for the rest of the game. But A, they don't tend to have long-range weapons. They're not very good at camping, really. B, they're not that survivable, and C, they're very expensive. So I guess 
That'd be the three things you have to fix. Either make them tougher, cheaper, or give them longer range guns. See, Maybe... I don't think that's correct. Yeah. Because I think Terminators are actually a great source of multiple damage weapons. Similar to knobs and mega knobs. And if you look at knobs and mega knobs, mega knobs are actually viable under certain conditions. Yeah. And they're about the cost of the Terminator, but they have plus one wound and plus one strength, I think it is. And plus one toughness. Rerolling those charge dice, which is huge. And rerolling those charge dice, which is massive. But, you know, if you look at Haminators, I think Haminators do just flat three damage or something. Flat three. And they have the Storm Shield. Yep. Uh, so they are resilient and they are a source of multi uh, damage. I mean, if you just make them a little bit cheaper, I think it doesn't. Yeah. I, th I think I mean... Haminators do definitely serve a purpose. Like, Haminators just need to be a bit cheaper and they're fixed. But I think yeah. other Terminators have problems. Well, I, I think you just. If you price those other Terminators so that they're less cost efficient than infantry versus infantry. Yeah. But when you factor in their multiple damage and cost them that way, you know, so they're cheaper than they are at the minute. But Gunnerators don't have that good a source of multiple damage weaponry, unless they, they chaos power. with all the combi weapons. Power fists are all D3 damage. They are, but uh, I suppose... I, th I think that's the way you have to look at the Terminators. You have to look at them as one-turn charge, destroy a Dreadnought or something. But yeah, it's definitely interesting. Yeah. I think just points reductions everywhere. Yeah, points point reductions can fix most things, really. Like, as much as everyone says, oh, that's not enough. It is enough. Make a Terminator one point, and it is fixed. It is beyond fixed. Yeah. And, like, if you look at the, um, like, the Riptide as well, everyone, like, you should just change the weapons this way. You should uh, three plus in run all the time because they're not good enough already, apparently, according to some people. Um, when the simple matter of the fact is you just change the price. And this is the cool thing about Chapter Approved is that they acknowledge that they need to change prices more often than they should. However, they shouldn't charge the players for that, you know, yeah. it shouldn't be a cash cow, it should just be a quality of service act. Although at least you know? this time we're getting, you know, Sisters Codex, we're definitely getting the um, the eight Farsight Enclaves power armor suit characters. Uh, Alright, didn't know about that. But... The bodyguards of Farsight. Uh, okay. Right. The issue being, you'll have to play the Farsight Enclaves, so it's not going to happen. Could be interesting. Though. Okay, so that, that's Titans and Terminators. Yep. Uh, you wanted to cover transports, a history of... I just want to very briefly talk about transport. Nobody runs transports. Hardly anyone is running transports other than Eldar, because the Eldar transports are obscene. I think transports need to be made way cheaper, because I think the game has changed. The very nature of the game has changed. Because transports got nerfed from 5th edition to 6th edition, because 6th edition introduced hull points, which is essentially wounds, but really, really shit. So think of Lehman Rust, but it's only got three wounds, right? Yeah. Uh, but all damage is just one damage weapons. And uh, so it was hard to hurt them back then. Like, guardsmen couldn't do it. And also, there was a chance that you just instantly kill it anyway. There's yeah. always that chance. Um, so that, that was the old state of vehicles. And what happened was you got this very specific tactic at very high-level play, which everyone got really on unhappy uh, about which is Razorback spam Space Wolves would just spam Razorbacks because transports were harder to kill in 5th edition because they didn't have hold points, they didn't have win, you just had to get lucky on the damage table because there was a chance that a vehicle just would never die, you just couldn't kill a vehicle because you had to roll d6 and only on the roll of like a 5 or a 6 was the vehicle dead, I believe in 5th edition it was a 4-5 
really. Oh, yeah, because it was um, on yeah. a penetrating hit. You had um, on a penetrating. You got plus like one. a damage. Oh, there was like wrecked and then explodes. Yeah, I think it was... six. Six was the vehicle explodes. Yeah. Five, the vehicle's wrecked, which means mm. it's gone. Yeah, and then you can... it was like yeah, yeah. Four and uh, three and four were weapon destroyed and immobilized. Then crew shaken, crew stunned. Yeah. So then to counter this, they also gave um, like melter guns and plasma guns. Uh, a bonus in 6th and 7th. They gave them a bonus to the damage table to again try and nerf vehicles more because people were just spamming cheap transports. And the funny thing was, was that this was the order of it, right? 5th edition, everyone complained like buggery that transports were too tough and it, this was ruining the game. Everyone hated it. Wah, 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 wah. Bitch, moan, bitch, moan. I know that's what we do, but that's how it it's went. It's different, damn it. We're justified. It's different. It's different. It's different times. Um... So it got changed, and vehicles became absolute shite, and they felt like shite to play. Uh, I hated vehicles with hull points because it was so arbitrary. Like, three glancing hits, which back then was just like a very light uh, hit on the tank, which used to kind of mean nothing, but it just meant like the tank would either not be able to move or the tank would not be able to shoot the next turn. Like, that's normally the result that came from it. Mm. Uh, whereas three of these glancing hits would kill tank and necrons whenever they rolled a six with their uh warriors they'll do a glancing hit so a 20-man unit of necron warriors would one shot a lehman rust just from shooting it and it was so stupid um so they, they were absolutely retarded <laughs> bringing in the, the whole point system and i feel justified in saying that then what they did was they decided that vehicles are still shit so we'll give melted guns and plasma guns a bonus to the vehicle damage table to make it more likely to blow them up so like think current edition if you got like plus one for your Die, die roll on the explode table, you know, to see if it explodes. If you use a melt gun or plasma gun. Then what they did in seventh was they decided we're gonna add formations. So the space marines could take six troops and an HQ and something else. We'll call it the Gladius Strike Force and could take free transports, which meant they got like seven to eight free razorback. They reinvented the problem. They're so fucking stupid. They are God, it, it really annoyed me. Yep. And then eight, eight, um they still decide that they want to keep transports out of the game, which I think is a definite negative. It's a definite negative because everyone's much more flimsy without transports. Because one think... definite viable tactic would be you put your entire army in transports so that they couldn't be killed turn one. You'd at least get some of your guys out. I think transports are currently priced fine the vast majority of the time. Some are maybe too expensive, like the Devilfish. But even though the Devilfish's use is beyond just its stats, due to its sheer size and blocking capabilities. But the problem is with how the disembarks rule works. I think that's the big fuck-off issue. It definitely... like it, Look at people like Death Watch with their uh, Corvus Blackstar. The way the disembark rule currently works, for those of you who somehow don't know, um, is you have to disembark before the vehicle moves. So, say with your Corpus Black Stars, your Death Watch, you have turn one, you fly out, you fly 40 inches, you get to the points where you need to drop your units to try and kill a key unit, because your Death Watch, you need to do strategic strikes if you have any hope of winning. You have to do some unfair stuff like this. Um, except you fly out there, and you can't disembark. You then have a turn of the enemy army, all of it shooting at your Corpus Black Stars, which will destroy them. And then they'll assault the units that were inside before you've done anything with them. This is a huge problem. And maybe for some factions which don't need that help, you could keep the disembarks um, before it moves. But some factions, like Death Watch especially, 
need to be able to disembark after moving. Yeah, Death Watch needs some uh, rule that makes them exempt from it or something like that. Yeah. Uh, transports used to be you could either move and disembark or disembark, but then the infantry could move and the transport could move, which was amazing. Uh, and the one example I give you is the Orc truck. Nobody runs the Orc truck anymore because it went from 35 points to 60 points. It might be somewhere around 50 now. Yeah. But that's a massive percentage increase on its cost. Mm. Like, you're nearly, you know, at two trucks of the olden days. And trucks were never that great because bolt guns and all that sort of stuff could bring them down because they were flimsy. Yeah. Uh, my problem being is that, yes, okay, transports were a problem. However, a truck now has six wounds, I believe. Really? And GW really hasn't changed that quickly and i know it's only been one edition so maybe ninth will change but i don't think they will because i think they're a little bit dense when it comes <laughs> to changing rules as i just mentioned with the transport problem yeah um is that six wounds isn't that much it's not tough they see six wounds and this is the whole thing with like the stomper when they played it live on their their channel to broadcast about the the new orcs coming they said he has 40 wounds it so tough i can't believe it and then they talk about warhounds and they say warhounds are so tough because they got near 40 but they don't seem to understand that just a large number isn't necessarily going to make you very tough yeah. because trucks don't have an infant okay they have the um the special ramshackle where if you roll a six any incoming damage is reduced to one uh which is amazing which is really funny when it happens but they're not tough. They're not really tough. not tough. And it really annoys me because GW doesn't seem to wake up to the fact that six wounds, eight wounds, ten wounds on a vehicle with no invalid isn't that good. And they don't seem to wake up to this. And you compare that to the t compare that to just the Riptide. Let's talk about the Riptide. Yeah. The Riptide has a two plus armor save, mm -hmm. a five plus invalid, which could be boosted to three plus, right? All for the cost of a mortal wound. I will I will acknowledge that mortal wound cost. Yep. And it can have shield drones that take bullets for it. We'll just take just compare the Riptide to the uh, Land Raider. The Land Raider, oh this is tanky. How how come it's tanky? Well it's toughness eight and it's got fourteen wounds and a two plus armor save. The yep, Riptide nothing. Well it well, it has fourteen wounds, but it's only toughness seven, you know? So that, that means it's weaker. Nope, way more survivable. It's far more survivable. And GW just, I don't know if they don't do playtesting, if they don't do Math Hammer. I don't know what it is. I really don't know because everyone can see the problem. Like you see it in the community, you see it posted everywhere. Everyone says, well, that's not going to be good. And yet GW still does it. I don't get it. You know, it just some bizarre decisions. Anyway, okay, so that's that's a very brief there's, run through of transports. There's a lot of glue going is. around at GW's HQ. Hello, a lot of glow and not a lot of sense. <laughs> gotta, but anyway, so gotta have some sense when you have that much glue around, you know. Like, I mean, let the let the fumes guide you, but don't let them overtake you, overpower you. Yeah, be one with the fume, but not one under the fume. You wanted to discuss the Blackstone Fortress tiles. I did. Blackstone Fortress is up for pre-order. We'd like to thank it's Blackstone costly. Fortress for sponsoring this episode. 
going to get in trouble with all these fake sponsors. <laughs> Blackstone, we're giving away free free advertising. Don't worry about it. And yeah. criticizing. Uh, Blackstone Fortress, it does look great. It is expensive. Um, How much does it cost? Like, I haven't actually paid it attention to its cost. Hmm? 95 English pounds. Really? Which is roughly $120 or 6.3 million Australian. <laughs> Australian darts. It will bankrupt the country if they buy one of these. See, whenever any of these... Like, Four trillion. It's going to be compared to Forgebane, the uh, high watermark. Yep. For value. Um, or even I, comparing I think... it to Renegade, which is like two knights for £120. Yeah. Renegade used to be cheap, by the way. It did used to be. Uh, I'm they... to pick up Renegade at some point. Don't do it. You've got enough shit to get on with. I was one of these people where he's got shit tons to get on with. I'm, I'm also one of these people. You've got shit tons to get on with. You've got all these models that are made, but yet to be painted. Yep. Some of them you don't even play with, yep. and you can buy more. Like That's just the way the hobby is. I, I like, appreciate that. I appreciate I like having, it. <laughs> God, I like having things. I like assembling things. And, you know, well, I only have some nights right now. I do, you know... You don't need more. To, we can't handle that. Gallant, you know? In our local game... Crusader. Yeah, in our local gaming group, we cannot handle five. Cannot do it. It's not on. We can't do three. We put three thousand points versus one thousand five hundred points, and we still couldn't take those knights down. If you get five, that's it. We've had it. <laughs> Absolutely had it. You turn up with twelve thousand points worth of stuff, and sadness. I think they could do it easily, easily, and I think we should do a video on that at some point. Just to point out to GW, this is what you look at with a casual game versus knights. Yes. Yeah. Like, because we take very much casual armies. Anyway, Blackstone Fortress, staying on topic, it is, I say, quote unquote, good value for money. Is it? If, if the game itself is great, because you actually get a whole bunch of miniatures. You do get loads. Yeah. I don't know how many it is. It's like 30 something. Uh, a lot of Traitor Guard, a lot of demons. Like, the Traitor Guard are great. Chaos they Space do. Marines are great. The they heroes do. all look great. To some degree. I don't think the game itself is going to be... Yeah, like, um, it's... You look at it, and... I don't know. I, I know that there's actual gameplay of it out there. I just haven't bothered checking it. Which sounds awful, but... It doesn't look that interesting to me. Yeah. And that's that's the big problem. If this was a great... Completely separate from... Ford I would say it'd be worth the money because if you look at a good board game, these sixty anyway, and, and you you're normally breaking get up an awful lot. Some minutes. Sorry, you're breaking what? up an awful, awful lot there. Um, would you like to try that again? You're saying that if it was a great board game in of itself, it, which if it was a great board game in of itself, yep, uh, I would say it'd be worth a whole load of cool minis, a whole load of cool artwork, cool booklets, all that. Sort of stuff. I'm not convinced the gameplay is that good. Yeah. Anything of the gameplay that makes me think like, oh yeah, this is really cool because they kind of sell it as this. Um... Hold on. Oh, holding. Sorry, do you think my internet was about to drop? <laughs> <laughs> Pray to the dark gods. Internet. Keep it going. I mean the emperor. Yeah. Yeah. yeah there you go. <laughs> I mean the emperor. The emperor. Yeah. Anyway. What was I saying? You were saying oh, yes, how Hercules. it was a great board game, for fuck's sake. Yeah, if it was a great board game, it would be worth it. However, it tries to sell itself as both a board game and an RPG, such as Silver Tower. And I was never impressed with Silver Tower, because I think if you're going to do an RPG, it has to be... Um, 
Dungeons and Dragons. It just has to be. And that's where Dark Heresy is. By the way, sub note, we are starting a new Dark Heresy campaign. I'm hyped. I'm a 60-year-old man. I'm fucking shot at combat. It's going to be really interesting. I was going to say, like, <laughs> depending how this is going, because time is getting on, we, we may have to just discuss Dark Heresy instead of the, the planned content for this episode. I think we do, because we've gone for so long without mentioning what the plan is. We, we will mention we, the plan at the very end. You guys will be excited, I hope. I think. Yeah, yeah. Like we, had a, we, we had a main thing we wanted to discuss, but it turns out this has gone on far longer than expected. We expected this to be 20 minutes. It's now nearly 50. I think it's because we're just both very windy bags, aren't we? It is. Like, I don't trust them oh, to make done. a good board game either. I just don't. Yeah. I mean, Necromunda is fantastic, but the Necromunda guys are doing Necromunda. Yeah. They're definitely not involved in Blackstone Fortress. Um, would I pick it up just for the models for Blackstone Fortress? No, I would not. No. Wait like, for eBay. Wait for eBay yeah. and buy like singular models that you like because £95 for all of that, ugh, it's still, I mean, if you only want one item, if you wanted all models and you were interested in at least trying the game, I would say, yeah, go for it. Maybe yeah. from a discount website. Maybe not. I don't know. I won't I, judge. I um, think the issue is that while I like the fact that they have a bunch of different heroes from a bunch of different factions, because that does make it um, inclusive for players who don't play Space Marines, it does suffer then from... Like, say with Forgebane, you get a bunch for your faction. Yes, there's only two factions, but you get a bunch for it. Whereas in Blackstone Fortress, if you want the Chaos stuff, you get a pretty good deal. But you're never going to find someone to go 50-50 with you on it, because no other person is actively collecting all of those different factions and then wants to run these awful, awful heroes. Because they are, if you put them into actual 40k, a bit shit. They are really bad. Like, they're Such always the sniper. Okay. Yeah, it's, oh, it's bad. It's bad. Um, what I was actually hoping for with Blackstone Fortress is that you would get the Chaos Renegade, like, leader man with mm. the hammer and 10 Chaos Space Marines. I was hoping they would just yeah. throw in a box of new Chaos Space Marines coming. Yeah. But it's only two. Like, I don't know, if you buy Blackstone Fortress, uh, one of the great, yeah, again, Forgebane. Again, I know that's just to get you into 40k, but it's very successful in that way because you get a bunch of shit. Mm. Blackstone Fortress, it doesn't translate to 40k. Again, okay, it's the same thing as Necromunda, it, but at it, least like Kill Team. Kill it Team does, is translation. Uh, barely, but poorly. And yeah, compared to as you're saying, kill team. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, just final notes from Blackstone Fortress. There is I've seen the tiles, the little cardboard tiles you get with it. This was meant to be the main point. It's, it, come on, don't don't judge. Um, I don't like the tiles. I really don't like the tiles because they've made them kind of yeah, very strange, very colourful. Mm disinteresting yeah in that uh, and i make out what they're supposed to be and one of the awesome things that i always thought of blackstone fortress uh was that there were these incredible vast open alien technology spaces mm. that were amusing and we sort of well i say we but humanity used them but not really understanding the secrets of the Blackstone Fortress. Yeah. Like, not really getting it. What is it? It's alien technology that we're trying to use. It's slaved technology. And something that I liked about the video, which Alan hated, Alan hated the hype video, yeah. because the music was very large. 
you know, it kind of conveyed a message of very large, very alien, very strange, booming halls, you know, just vast open spaces of strange yeah. monolithic structures. The tiles don't really capture that for me. The tiles are just very kind of like weirdy beardy. You're traveling through the warp on a tile that's yeah. sort of semi-structured. And like, I understand the fact they're going a bit more for of an abstract feel rather than this is directly what the corridor looks like. But that doesn't mean that you have to sacrifice the theme. For example, um, the Arkham Horror game. Now, yeah. If you look at that, you literally just go from location to location with like a thin line you go by. Like it, It's in no way a direct representation of what the streets you're walking on look like between these locations. But if you look at the board, there's a shit ton of character. Which Blackstone just lacks. Yeah, I, I think they should have done the tiles far more much like the uh, Necromunda or even Arkham style, mm. where you have like six one foot by one foot boards that you put together to they make probably a table. Would see it as being too similar to Necromunda though, if they did that. It might be too similar to Necromunda, but I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think void your own good ideas yeah. because you want to be innovative. I think if it works and it's awesome, do it again. Yeah, and that that's what Blackstone Fortress should have been. It should have been you know, far greater structures rather than these close condensed tiles. And something with Silver Tower was that it had the same tile system as uh, Blackstone Fortress. I'm sure you use them differently. I don't care about the rules. I don't care about that sort of stuff. But size-wise, it's the same thing. And again, it was kind of like strange, bizarre, colorful rooms. Um, but it worked because in those old sort of adventure-style games, even Dungeons & Dragons with some layouts and Hero Quest, Warhammer Hero Quest, is you opened up very small rooms. It was confined spaces. And, like, that's awesome. That's what it should be. You know, Silver Tower should never be on boards like Necromunda, and I think they nailed that with Silver, Silver Tower, but they should have done big, open, grandiose tiles for Blackstone. For yeah. You know, you should feel like if you whisper, you're worried because the echo might alert an troll. Yeah, and it, it's you far know, it's more that expensive. how Blackstone Fortress is. Rather than it's essentially a dungeon crawl, yeah, and it, you're jammed in with the enemy. You are jammed in there with them. The entire and it feels point of far them, too compact. Yeah, the entire it point of them be... is that they are larger than humanity, or they come from a time before humanity that they yeah. dwarf you. Then having tiny, tight, confined corridors betrays that feeling. Yeah, definitely. Uh, well, and uh, it, it would have been far more awesome as well, because uh, when you look at some of the artwork for Black Unfortunately, the artwork is magnificent it's there's one uh specific picture where there's a crude chap who is the guy from the the box he's ascending some, and this, this strange sort of triangular structured roof uh of the room that he's going into you know it just looks bizarre and alien but just so cool because you want to explore that image but you just don't get that in the tiles mm. and then it becomes even more of kind of like a fake simulation if you will like i know it's all games i know it's all that sort of stuff but when when you have material that um what's the word you know it, it moves in line with what you're meant to be fantasizing if you understand uh, what i mean i'll tell you which word you're going for here as, as in like you know it's um oh, in lockstep if you like with the fantasy you know so for example tight dungeon crawler is on small boards expensive yeah. It, it feels right. It's thematically appropriate. Uh, yeah, and that, that's what they should have gone for. Yeah. Next uh, point? Which is, it's just upset. 
Next uh, I, I want to talk about Kill Team Commanders. Yes. Yeah. Dead. 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 Um, Rock Raiders, great game. Great game. Thank you, Lego Rock Raiders, for sponsoring this episode. The third guest sponsor. I think we're actually allowed to do that because it's all discontinued now, isn't it? Um, I think Lego could still sue us. Possibly. <laughs> if you hadn't mentioned their name. I did mention might... Lego Rock Raiders, so... Oh, shit. It's oh, all God. Lego, no! It's all him. It's the Danish. The Danes. Uh, anyway. Kill Team Commanders. Kill Team Commanders is kind of jipping my flip. If you know what I mean. So. Because they're selling you a commander. And the new one's coming out a uh, cult gene stealer bannerman and a brute lord. Okay. And both of them are 20 pounds. Mm. 20 English pounds. It's, sorry, he's an acolyte icon ward, I think is the technical name. Uh, and they're basically just charging you for rules, right? Well, this has and been the model for Kill Team the whole way, in that they have these separate Kill Team boxes where they give you a squad, some terrain, and then the rules which they don't put in the real rule book. This has been my complaint since they started doing this. Yeah. And I think, again, it just comes down to agree an agreement between gentlemen that you both just say, okay, and keep spending money on this to get better stuff. Well, to be fair, like you can just look up these rules on the internet at the end of the day. Yeah, I, I don't have a problem with you doing that. I'm yeah. just saying that GW charging so much for better rules. Oh yeah, no, it, I, I fully agree that it comes it is just pay to win shite in that yeah, sense. And it, and I don't like it, it. it. It puts pressure. So say you have like a little gaming group. Say you have five. One of those guys is kind of that guy, but mm. he's friendly enough that you will keep him in there and you're just being polite. You don't want to exclude someone because excluding yeah. someone isn't fun. It's not you know a very nice thing to do. So you just... But every time there's a new one of these boxes out, he buys it. And spoiler alert, the new like tactical cards that you can use, think of them like stratagems, because they are like stratagems, are more powerful than the basic ones. Also way more diverse. For those of you who don't play Kill Team, um, the basic rule book is really good for like people who don't like, have that much of a collection or they're, getting, they're new to the game or whatever, because it has all the rules, all the points costs. Then it has usually four per faction like um, stratagems you can use. Whereas then if you buy one of these boxes, you get like an additional 12, which are also usually more powerful. Hmm? Yeah, they're more powerful. Um, and definitely game-breaking in a game like Kill Team because it is so tight yeah. that certain, certain stratagems are just redonkulous. I think I used a couple on you and you just said, can you please just not use the card? Because it was so strong. Oh yeah, okay. you, you were doing like vanilla chaos or something. Vanilla Tau. It was Tau. It was playing Tau versus Astra Militarum. With Astra Militarum had all these stratagems available. It's like I, I just can't do anything. I think you beat me every time though. So did I? Because stealth suits are ridiculous in that game mode. Right? They're absolutely ridiculous because they've got two runes. I know. I think you. I should just run less and run more fire warriors. Yeah, most that, that's my thinking win. whenever anything happens to do with Tau. It's just, I should probably just run more Fire Warriors. No, I think the Stealth Suits were better than Fire Warriors because they don't die because they've got two wounds. You've got to put three wounds yeah, on them before suits they start cost getting like 20 points. Yeah. Maybe 25. I know. Okay, we, we're getting, we're getting off topic. Getting off topic. <laughs> Slightly. Uh, Slightly. Uh, I just want to say that Kill Team Commanders, they're just charging you, you for stuff that I don't really think adds to the game at all. But it just it, it just increases like the paywall. 
But what I will say is, something I'm very happy about when it comes to Kill Team Commanders is that they specifically said this isn't like, um, say, End Times, where if you had the rule book, those were the rules, as in if somebody had a newer version of the End Times rules, they went, this is how it works, ignore the old stuff. They say you both players have to agree to play Commanders. Like, this isn't something which overrides Kill Team. You can still play normal Kill Team, but if both of you agree, you can play Commanders, which is awesome. Yeah. And I'd also like to say that I don't like the gameplay of Commanders. I haven't I think seen commanders... much about it. Like, I like the idea that you could just pump the points into having more squad members rather than having yeah. a big commander. I, I think the trouble is, is that the commanders that I've seen, definitely some of them are so tough the, you know, it's just kind of almost impossible to deal with them. I don't know. I think Tyranids, like, if you just take 40 Gaunts... Well, like, the the Broodlord is coming as a commander, though, don't forget. Yeah, that's um, true. If the Broodlord's rules are anything like 40k rules, which most of the others are like, that means he's going to be, like, a six-wound toughness something. I, oh, I God, think he is, terrifying. but I think he also costs, like, 140 points. Okay, so, I, I mean, yeah. Maybe I'm not adverse to commanders per se, yeah. but when you include rules with the commanders, which just give you an advantage, you yeah. know. And then, you know, for some of the place commanders, my advice to you would be just buy the model without all the commander cards. Yep. Like, get everyone in your gaming group to agree not to buy the commander cards and just play without them. Or, or. if you like the commander cards, everyone agrees to playing with the commander cards. And go look them up. Just go look them up. Don't bother buying the commander box. Buy the normal box. But and I don't know. I, I would say cards, like if you online. want to support Kill Team, buy buy the Kill Team boxes because yeah. GW will see that it's like a tick. That's revenue coming from Kill Team. Let's keep going with Kill Team because I know I do that with uh, Necromunda. Yeah, yeah. Like for example, I always buy my Necromunda stuff directly from GW, so they make a greater profit margin. And I buy like a lot of the peripheral stuff. Like, I bought the extra tiles, I bought two boxes of Goliath, I bought the Goliath dice, I bought the Goliath tactics cards, I bought Gang War 1. Yeah. You know, I love Necromunda, I want to support it, because, I mean, there was an article from uh, White Dwarf where they spoke to the designers of uh, Necromunda, and it was so cool, you know, I really love the guys, just from the small bit, and I know it's all kind of edited tightly to make them, you know, likable and all that sort of stuff, but you could see their enthusiasm, their clear passion shining from it and you see that in the game itself guys if you haven't tried necromunda please try necromunda it's so good it's really good it's really fucking good right it is is. okay that's like all of the um all the things we're planning to mention barring the main topic of what was going to be this episode shall we mention that now oh yeah okay i think i think should we mention that now and also what we want from 40k what do you mean? You want for, what, what? What do we want from forty k? I mean, law wise, what we would want. Uh, and we're gonna just. Uh, I was gonna okay. I was gonna mention it now as a little tease, then go into a discussion of maybe dark heresy because we haven't got the time. Then next week we do this proper. Yep, yep, yep. Full. But I, I just want to drop the little gems of what we want to talk about. All right, yeah, go for it. Drop the gems. Okay, so one thing that pearls. we. No, don't There's do that. Little... Dirty pearls. Dropping the kids at the pool, if you will. <laughs> um, yeah, dropping the L-bomb. What we want to see is a lot more diversity in terms of what different races are doing. So at the minute, we have Imperium. 
their law is advancing. They're fighting chaos. And chaos law is advancing. Yep. Because they're fighting each other. Yep. Tau law is advancing magnificently. Yeah, with Tau law glorious thighs and magnificent hair. Oh. Like Tau law, yes. Please, yes. sir, do more. Do more. That guy needs a promotion. He needs yeah. to be the head of the fucking planet. <laughs> Maybe too far. Tower uh, fantastic shit. Other codices, please look to that. Please look yeah, at that all, and see what you could learn from it. All other codices are still in this stasis, this fucking shite stasis. And we kind of we talked about this in the York Codex review and just how this stagnation is not helping 40k. And it you know, it's not hurting them. Certainly not hurting them. Yeah. But I think we could get some hype going. I think we could get some real passion going because everyone's excited for 8th edition if you look at the stock value of 40k it shot up so much when they released 8th edition because people are excited for it and they need to capitalize on this by moving the plot forward for everyone yeah because this also isn't this is uh, before the <coughs> god uh, before the plot was definitely stagnant which was disappointing but fine with a couple of major events happening now again like the battle for McCrag. but 8th edition is the suck plot it is... ultramarines <laughs> suck it suck it the reason why no matter what happens, we will never hate the Tyranids. Oh, um, yeah. I love those guys. The plot is moving forward, so can we move it forward for everyone? It doesn't have to be big. Look at the Tau! They haven't yeah. done anything big or impressive in the terms of the actual universe of 40k. They haven't done anything that even warrants other codices to acknowledge it. But what they have done is moved forwards for themselves. Their plot has developed and gone to interesting places. Can other things do this as well? Please. And kind of like we were saying with the end times law for Warhammer Fantasy, is that they set up a whole load of interesting scenarios and then very badly explored them. But what they should do for 40k is just set up a whole load of interesting, um, you know, scenarios. So, for example, the Octavia sector. Many, many years ago, some genius had the idea of to put orcs versus tyranids yeah. in a war of metabolism and sheer outright might. And it's so fucking cool. Like, well done to that guy. I don't think we spoke about it before. I don't want a resolution there. What we want to see is individual races having an advancement in kind of a combination of what the race wants to achieve mm. as well as what the race will have to endure. So let's just talk, I mean, we spoke about it in the Orc Codex. We want to see Orcs versus Chaos, because that's something that the Orcs and Chaos have to endure, because they're going to come into contact. Yeah. Orcs and the Orcs like the should be preparing for the mightiest fight. Yeah. And the Orcs should be in a position of strength right now. And we were talking about the Tau. The Tau are fantastic, because they've been advanced in this certain direction. Um, and I don't think we need to touch the Tau Law because the, the Tau Law I is mean, doing great things. If you're uncertain of it, why not go back and look at our episode on it? Hey. Hey, self-promotion. There's an idea. I'd like to thank the Brothers Grimdark Podcast <laughs> for sponsoring this episode. Yeah. They pay for the drinks. Well done. Well done. Yeah, that. that we do. We do pay for the drinks. Yep. Fact. 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 Um, and we want a lot of mini-narrative to go on. Uh, and what what do I mean by that? Well, we have an entire plan of what the Imperium should be doing. And it's really exciting for us. We really like the way that it, this would go if you went in the direction that we would take it. Yeah. And we're going to do a whole episode dedicated to that, possibly two. And that's all about Primarchs. Power, resources, 
structures within the Imperium. Like, it's in-depth, but it's cool, and we really hope you guys like it, because we're really excited to talk about it, and we'd love to see 40k go this way. And it, it's another way that it wouldn't diminish anything. It wouldn't detract from the models. It wouldn't detract from sales. It'd be exciting and fun and diversify the Imperium. Anyway, maybe that's overselling it. <laughs> well, it'd be interesting, but... It'd be so we, interesting if they took it the way we took it. It would require and, effort from the writers, which I don't think they can do. Well, some what, of them. What, some what, them well, some of them do. Some of them put in a lot of effort, but a lot of it is just... What do you mean we don't just tell the history of the race again? You mean we can write more on the Codex? I don't, I don't think I'm comfortable with that. <laughs> don't do it. I don't just, want just, to write. Just, just copy and paste what they did last time. Just copy and paste it. That's what we did with the covers. We weren't expected to draw new ones for 8th edition. It's like that scene from The Simpsons. Is it The Simpsons? No, it's Family Guy. Family Guy. Where they're having like pitch meeting for this Whatever episode. Like, I think we should do this episode. Yeah. I think we should do something new and innovative. The guy chairing the meeting. I see. Walks over, grabs painting, and beats the guy to death when it says <laughs> new and innovative. Someone else says, we should just do the same thing we did before. I like that idea. Yeah, that's that's GW at the moment with the law in some cases. In some cases. Now, another one that we'd like to talk about, a microcosm of combat, ambition, and future is Eldar. Dark Eldar. And Slanesh. Yes. And we're going to hold on to that topic. Because, again, we want to do an episode on that. Yeah. This is all, like, little mini-spoilers for you back home. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> mini-spoilers. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> and, indeed, we definitely want to do something on Fulgrim before the Emperor's Children Codex comes out. Fulgrimando. The okay. most successful Primarch of all time. Hells yeah. Well, barring one. One got a bit further, but... One exceeded now. him. Spoiler, that was Horace. Yeah. <laughs> Other than Horace, anyone below Warmaster, Fulgrim is the man. Yep. The absolute boy. He is not respected enough as the man, and we will rectify that in the next episode. And in true Slanesha fashion, irrectify it. Now... We have uh, probably about 20 minutes left, maybe a little bit more, because we, we don't want to leave it at one hour. So, Dark Heresy. We hadn't planned this section, we're sorry. We meant to do some of the other stuff we mentioned just now. But Dark Heresy, we haven't really discussed it in depth. But we have... Uh, no, we have mentioned it before. We have mentioned it before. Um, briefly, and that was our more recent campaign. Like, we can... We haven't mentioned the first, I don't think. The first ill-fated campaign. The ill-fated investigation <laughs> of, I'm going to call it Kremulon. Oh, God. It was meant to be the, um, isn't it like the, the uh, scenario they, they's packed into Dark Heresy? Like yes. The starter scenario. So we, we probably shouldn't spoil any of it in case any of you feel compelled to go and play Dark Heresy. We'd like to thank Dark Heresy for sponsoring this episode. <laughs> um, well, I mean, we briefly mentioned the fact that uh, I was a useless tech priest did we? Oh, yeah. well, you certainly were bamboozled. Sorry? You were certainly a useless tech priest. Oh, yeah, we, we'd explained how we were both terrible, how we both managed to get ourselves knocked unconscious. Oh, yeah. Big time. <laughs> when trying to find supplies. But it, it went deeper than that. I was also a useless psyker who. <laughs> all my powers were based around gambling. No, 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 no. You had one very power. Oh, yeah, no. Like, which I, I admittedly 
picked because it would get me more money. Um, the power is basically you can make um, the target repeat their last action. My idea being, I'd win at cards, then do this. Uh, so they hand me money, then I do that, and they hand me more money. And you just keep doing that, and you get a ton of money. <laughs> Which I tried on an Imperial ship right at the start, and I nearly, and I nearly ripped open reality. So I stopped doing it. No, no, but the difficulty was as well that you had to win. <laughs> So I had to you, win. you sat at the table and you went, hit me, <laughs> and just lost instantly. And it's like, well... <laughs> I, I, I lost a couple of times, and then I got to try it, and I nearly ripped open reality. It was not a good day. Um, <laughs> I think I even had, like, manipulate luck as my other psychic power, which I failed on as well. Yeah, I'm pretty sure what happened is you tried it, and then the GM made a character come over and just stop buggering about and don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty funny. Um, so anyway, we make it to this planet. Alan, I mean, we're trekking through the wastelands now, you know, ignoring large moments of the plot. Yep. And we come under attack from an enemy. Shall not state what the enemy is. Alan then used his fantastic powers to bamboozle it. Yeah. Turn after turn. This actually worked because it swung at a place, like at one of the people. I'm pretty sure it gored me really badly. <laughs> it did. It, like, it nearly like... killed you in one go. No, it also nearly killed me in one go. We were both broken after this it was like is yeah ready to continue adventuring no we need to go back and get a doctor we're both dying we need to get um, a what we, like we were both basically dying after this one hit nearly killed me oh yeah you you got plowed in the chest yep and i got tusked yep um and the way that it died is alan bamboozled it for turn after turn i believe i tried to shoot it i missed and i shot the npc guy <laughs> you did uh <laughs> I then decided to go into close combat with my hammer. I then rolled super well and struck its foot so hard that I cut the foot off with my hammer. Yep. And the beast died. <laughs> Gotta love those D100 rolls. So yeah, it's all random chance like uh, D&D. And yeah, I rolled really well in my attack. Got like a critical. Rolled for where it hit. It hits a foot. <laughs> <laughs> and tore the foot and then, clean off and then you roll yeah the injury and it's the foot gets cut off and it's like i did that with a hammer fantastic um injury table like when you when you kill someone sufficiently enough or if you kill over a certain threshold it's like what the fuck did you do to them you blew the chest apart i should have oh, yeah. with a las pistol but you crushed it with a las pistol yeah no it's so awesome okay so um and then Yada, yada, yada. Something's happened, can't say. Something's happened. We fail a lot because Dark Heresy is a game that's bad. Uh, it's tough. Sorry, it's not bad. It's tough. tough. And it should be tough. We'll come back to that. We'll come back to that after this little discussion. Yep. We get to a finale fight. Like, shit is going oh, down. It wasn't meant to be a finale fight. It was meant to be a fight. It wasn't meant, meant to be adventure. a finale fight. It was meant to be the start of the end game. Yeah. Right? Yep. Like, once we pass this point, okay, we're now close to finishing the quest and finding out what's going on. But? Except, I think our GM has a little bit of a hard-on for killing us. <laughs> <laughs> well, because I actually looked at the scenario after we played it through, right? Yeah. And we should have had A... Help <laughs> and be way less enemies. Yeah. So anyway, 
We we were put against a suicide mission. We were put against ten great big fuck off people outside the cathedral, carrying a bomb. And when we asked how far away are they, it's like uh, ten meters. Yeah, ten meters away. <laughs> yeah. We're like, well, fuck this. <laughs> um, now, I had previously given all my money to Alan. Yep. So that Alan could buy more pistol ammunition. Because it turns out... He bought out, a shit ton of pistol ammunition. I like, did. Um, all sorts of varieties, all sorts of shit going on there. Also, by the way, in Dark Heresy, another human being is probably about as tough as you are at the start of the game. So... <laughs> we were quite fucked. Anyway, sorry, you were saying. So I I give them pretty much all my ammunition to all my money. Yeah. I had a shotgun with like a couple of shells in it and a hammer. Just propped up against a pillar, sneaking looks out the windows to see them encroaching, firing a couple of shots off, not really hitting the mark. Um, we had an NPC who was basically a, a player character controlled by the uh, DM on the roof of the cathedral. Uh, yeah, he because... was. <laughs> he he was a character that was meant to be basically Batman. Because all of his stuff rolled to really high acrobatics, and he bought a grappling hook. <laughs> and uh, there was one bit earlier in the game where we, <laughs> we had to scale like a five meter high. Oh, I think it was ten meters high because ten meters is just the the range. Ten meter high, like little cliff. And he said, "Hold on, guys, stand back. I'm going to go up there. I'm going to grapple up there, and I'm going to scatter out, scatter the terrain, make sure it's safe for you." Fires up his little grapple. <laughs> Starts to scale the side of it, repelling upwards. Falls off. <laughs> Immediately. After a meter of climbing. <laughs> so basically waist height. He then falls to the floor and takes like several wounds worth of damage. <laughs> um, his pride is severely hurt. He just sort of says, <clears throat> yeah, I guess, guess we better just climb up. <laughs> then we all climb up and it's fine. But yeah. Taking so a he, long way around. Shite as well. He's on the rooftop. Yeah. Because he was maybe keeping watch on the roof. Alan is poised next to me. Uh, I think I've, I've brought a couple of church pews over well, and blocked the door. We were across either side of the cathedral doors, which makes the following events more impressive. No, no, you were close to me. You were close to me. Was I? I know why you were, yeah. No, I, I think I was distant from you, but somehow the chain of events <laughs> still no, worked no, no, out no. that way. no, no, no. I was far from the enemy. I was close to you. Because what happened was we were making very useless attacks at these enemies. All the while they're getting closer. There's Honcho with the bomb. Big, primitive bomb. Chanting in some strange language. Running towards the front of the church. And he's going to blow up. And we asked how dangerous this bomb is. And he said, oh, it's kind of dangerous. It can be dangerous. You know, it's not too bad. But we didn't like it. And after the bomb is a scary several turns of ineffectual fire, yeah, several turns of ineffectual fire coming out of the church, our guy on the roof is kind of doing much, trying to get to the other end. This is like a 20-meter-long church. Oh, yeah, he was on the wrong side of the roof, it turns out. Yeah, at the wrong <laughs> So he has to, this entire combat, he's just trying to sprint over so to the side. So he's running across. Yeah. And then we realize our fate is seven enemies all with kind of you know burly men oh they have guns. guns as well they are shooting back this is not going well for us oh um, yeah like i'm pinned down i think i've been clipped not yeah. too badly but just you know a couple of shots hitting me 
I then realise there's a way we can fix this issue. So, well, what if, you know, we just shoot down the man with the bomb? That way, you know, the bomb is outside and that solves that little problem. Which amazingly enough, I did, you know, because in Dark Heresy, succeeding at something is so rare, as the tale of both of us knocking ourselves unconscious trying to find supplies shows. <laughs> um, now, the chain of events that followed was quite something. <laughs> Alan peers out the window, raises his pistol, makes the shot, clips and wounds the guy holding the bomb. It's not a kill shot. Oh, he doesn't die. They just hit him in the arm. But it's enough to make him drop the bomb. The GM rolls. He rolls a 10 for the explosion. Oh, yeah, like, I guess on a 10 it goes off. <laughs> it explodes. Yeah. He rolls for the distance. Rolls the maximum possible distance <laughs> of the explosion. It's a 15 meter radius on a bomb that's been traveling two meters per turn for the last three turns. Yeah. This is close. It detonates. He cataclysmic explosion, rocking the surroundings in this he... desert wasteland with a few small yurts and this monastery that's being built. The, the DM then rolls the damage on all the people. There was someone standing in front of the leader. He got sent flying into the um, cathedral doors so hard he got turned to paste, essentially. The others were annihilated. The man holding the bomb <laughs> had his oh. torso blown off that's right, blown <laughs> off so hard, it flew backwards and killed their gang leader. <laughs> the flying torso, not the explosion, the yeah. flying torso killed the gang leader. Others died, a few, couple of them, their ammo detonated in the explosion, because your ammo can detonate when you're hit by an explosion, which is something really interesting that we only <laughs> just found out about. Now, while we're cowering in this church the shockwave of the explosion hits the building i'm in cover back against the pillar clutching my shotgun to my chest however one of our gang <laughs> is leaning out slightly <laughs> and laden and he's with got a fuck ton of ammunition <laughs> recently bought by me wait hang on is this why in our in our new game you encouraged me to get the las pistol so the ammunition couldn't go off it may well be, because <laughs> Alan was killed in the explosion. His character torn asunder. No, I wasn't killed by the explosion. I was killed by all of the ammunition in my pockets going off. <laughs> and firing through me into the surroundings. And part of that surroundings was me. <laughs> Didn't your ammunition then go off, but you survived? My, my ammunition also went off after <laughs> I've been peppered by this fucking ammunition. <laughs> So all like eight shotgun shells go off in my pocket. <laughs> I expend all my fate points to survive. <laughs> I did not I have enough. I was two so wounds. dead. Alan was plain <laughs> fucked. Yeah. I, I sort of turned to him and was like, is there any way I could... No, no, you are, you are so gone. <laughs> the chap on the so. roof. Oh, yeah. Then gets knocked <laughs> clean off the roof. Oh, because the DM, he goes like, oh, I, I guess... The, it the shakes the building. The he loses his... Him. So he's just like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll roll... See if, the sh see if he keeps his footing. Oh, no, he slipped. I'll see if he can grab the, the, uh, the roof. Oh, he, he failed. I'll see if he can like, try and grab like, the lip of the roof. He's failed that too. 
And he fell. grapples the roof before he falls. <laughs> falls all the way from the top of the building. Given that he's an agility-based hero, he has really high agility, should have passed all of these, critical failure each time. <laughs> falls at a complete distance to the ground, which is very, very bad for you in Dark Heresy. Like, falling is definitely a killer. Yeah. He expends all his fate points, yet he does not survive. <laughs> he too dies. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he? Didn't he also though, breaks his neck on the, landing? When it came to a critical failure, though, trying to uh, grab the roof, didn't he then say, "Well, if it's a critical failure, he's broken his hand." Yeah, I he guess. broke his hand before he tried. <laughs> oh dear, yeah, it was oh. really bad. So he falls and dies. I'm alive with two wounds. It then transpires because we finished the gaming session here because, like, it's late in the two also, in the morning. We we weren't going to top that. <laughs> We weren't going to top that. All the excitement was had. We'd have to roll up new characters, everything. I was going to carry on with my character. Mm. Um, but everyone else was dead, so I didn't really want to do that. So we kind of put a, a you know... A pin in it. We put, we put the lid on the coffin on that one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Time of death, we called it. Time of death, the first out, session. Time of death, the first session. It turns out that after that fight... You're supposed to have an immediate fight with someone in the church. Spoiler. 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 I think Dark Harris is way old now, so if yeah, it's Go not going it, to be too much of a surprise. It's it's amazing. It's really as, cool. as shown by this. Yeah, if you like D and D, if you like crazy narratives, if you like all that sort of stuff, Fan it's going to be great. Final forty k. You'd enjoy it. You're supposed to have, and this guy is meant to be far more powerful than the gang member. We were... I have no idea what you just tried to say, but all I got was, we were... I'm assuming it was, we were fucked. Yep, that's right. <laughs> we were fucked. Straight fucked. I think when I looked at the scenario afterwards, there's not meant to be seven guns. Like three. Okay. You're meant to have help. From like NPC characters, yep. GM characters. Uh, you're also is meant to start like 25 meters. Start so if he does detonate, he's not meant to like take all of you out. Yeah, yeah. Take a bit of the brunt, but it's to give you like a large action piece. Yeah, like, I think you meant to roll. It's like between three and five, something. But anyway, we got seven. No help. Three of us. Yeah. One guy on the wrong side of the church. <laughs> it was controlled by the GM as well, so I yeah. thought that was a little... <laughs> like, come on. Anyway, anyway. Then you went have this fight afterwards. Uh, no way we were going to do it. No way in hell. You'd also have the really awkward, like, um, oh, look, a travelling so-and-so and his friend have just arrived at the church as new characters. And decide to help out the tech priest, I guess. Um... There's also one other notable event from that campaign, though. I don't know. I think we've told about that. Damn it. We did, we did talk about that. Damn, we mentioned yeah. that. The St. Horowitz thing. Damn. Damn. Um, but yeah, it was super cool. But anyway, this brings us nicely to Dark Heresy. What is Dark Heresy? Dark Heresy is a D&D game, Dungeons & Dragons, translated almost one for one no, it's to 40k. <laughs> to 40k. It's really not. Like, that's a D. There's dragons, midgets, dwarves, elves. No, Dungeons <laughs> Dragons is like D twenty. Uh, this one is like D ten, D one hundred. D one hundred. It's very different. 
it is very different. It is a really fun game. Uh, one thing that is difficult about it, which I really, really love, mm. but so many people hate, and I appreciate that, and a lot of people that are new to Dark friends to play Dark Heresy, is that Dark Heresy is... It is not... You're cutting out a lot there. I'm going to elaborate on what you're saying, at least what I assume you're saying, is that it's extremely uh, difficult I'll call at times. Re That's Basically, what he's trying to say is that Dark Heresy is extremely difficult. Well, not extremely. It's just that the odds are usually stacked against you, and there's kind of a tendency for characters to get maimed, which maybe, if you're used to things like Dungeons & Dragons or whatever, is less than enjoyable for you, but at least for us, the way that we understand the setting of 40k is that it is an extremely With, harsh um, setting. Dark Heresy. Hello? Yep, hello. I was just explaining how uh, Dark Heresy is harsh, but that suits 40k. Okay, I, didn't get, I didn't get any of that. Fuck the internet, anyway. <laughs> uh, I'm just going to say the next bit, which is um, Dungeons & Dragons. You ascend to the point where you kill gods and you kill dragons and all this sort of stuff. And it gets way too kind of... In, in in want of better words, self fellating Right? Yep. It's like you become the ultimate guy of slaying gods, you tackle Thor and knock him off, that yep. sort of stuff. Uh, whereas Dark Heresy is kind of, you are a plebeian scrub. And even when you get to the highest ranks, uh, now this, this is where I split from a lot of the Dark Heresy community. A lot of the Dark Heresy community make it much more like Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And the example I'll use is some people played a campaign where the, the enemy of the campaign, because normally there's like one enemy type character or monster, mm. the enemy of the campaign was Fabus Bile, which yeah. is a named Chaos Space Marine leader of Slanesh yeah. who creates bio monstrosities as well as clones, as well as space marines, as well as all these kind of psychedelic mind-bending drugs which make you incredible at combat but shorten your life by, you know, tenfold. Yep. They took him on and won. No. Now, you are meant to be just humans, right? Yeah. And kind of the best weapon you, you can get is a last cannon, which admittedly <laughs> would probably kill Fabus Bile. But it's, you're not fated that way. You shouldn't be meeting the big characters of 40k. Yeah. 40k is massive, so expensive. You should always be dealing with much lesser and much stranger evils. You know, when people say like, "Oh, we had a campaign where we fought a demon prince," you should not be fighting a demon prince. That thing should win. Oh yeah. There was the fantastic um, tale you told me of how when somebody was trying to get his group to play uh, Dark Heresy, and they were used to Dungeons and Dragons, and they met a Space Marine. It was just a normal Space Marine. And one of the characters is like, ah, I'll provoke him. You know, I'll see what fucking happens. Provokes him a bit and the DM takes him aside and just goes, look, in this setting, space marines are just not to be fucked with. Absolute fact. Yeah, but, you know, I kind of want to. Kept on going, kept on going. And then the DM, at the end, the DM just, oh, no, I think they, they then attacked the space marine. because like, ah, oh, I want to loot his shit. And DM just goes, okay, he knocks you to the ground and stamps through your head and chest. You didn't roll for it. I don't have to, he's a space marine. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it should be. And I've definitely read some stories where, like, they assist a chapter of Space Marines in an assault on a planet. And it's like, no, Dark, dark Heresy should be all sort of skullduggery. It should all be investigation. And, you know, it, it's a real chance to explore 
or the weirder side of 40k yeah. you know like when you get those images those beautiful images in imperial world where you have kind of man melded with machine melded with mutant you know yeah. you should be investigating that and like cults and all this sort of stuff instead of just like oh yeah and you get to this cult and they summon a bloodthirster now you've got to find a bloodthirster and then the gm rigs it so that it can beat the bloodthirster no 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 way should regular humans be able to kill bloodthirsters it takes the mightiest heroes of 40k to kill a bloodthirster you know crazy anyway okay that's that's ranting but dark heresy is beautiful it's amazing no matter how you play it you will have fun yep usually you have to have people with you though or at least do it over whatever you usually yeah. can't play it by yourself right I'm, as it's we oh i, I was, I was gonna, just gonna, I was say, gonna bring it down to a close us. at that point four of us one gm uh and that's how we play it and i think it's pretty fun that dynamic it is it's a lot of fun right as is let's bring an end to this episode and we covered all the housekeeping stuff we wanted to cover, also the little bit of dark heresy, because it was something we wanted to discuss, but we never really found the time to discuss in a normal episode. Um, next week, is that Fulgrim? That will be. We'll be doing Fulgrim. So, I guess join us next time. Bye.